0: I'd like to ask you today to just stop and think with me of somebody that you knew very well that's no longer with us on this earth, and and something that you remember about that person. And very likely for many of you, like for me, a a visual picture comes to your mind, uh, as well as perhaps uh, something that they said or or some things that they did. Um, What came to my mind was a picture of my dad out in the barn early in the morning after I dragged myself out there to join him and help uh, milk cows before school. And uh, he likely already had some of the milking machines on our 15 to 20 cows. And, and uh, the Clockwatcher program on KFMW radio was playing loud. And uh, as he saw me consistently, I would hear this warm greeting. Hi Lloyd, how's it going? It was really much too cheery for me back then so early in the morning, but it's a great memory now. Well, the psalm that we're going to look at today is Psalm 105, and it invites us to remember some things about God, and not what he looks like, since none of us have um, been able to see him in all of his glory, but, but some, remember some things that he said and some things that he's done. And unlike my dad, who's been gone from our presence for years now— um, Remembering these things about God can encourage us because though we can't see him, he is still with us and he's still speaking to us and he's still able to help us. And so we're invited in this psalm to interact with him and to talk of him to others. Now, if you found your, uh, in your bulletin there, the whole psalm is listed. You might have noticed there's only 45 verses to this psalm. I'm not going to read all of them right now. But we'll look at the first seven verses, and I encourage you to then keep that bulletin open to that passage and the outline on the other side as we walk through this psalm today. I invite you to stand now in reverence to God's word as we read. <clears throat> oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all of his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonders, which he has done, his marvels and the judgments uttered by his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all of the earth. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this psalm, and, and uh, we pray that as we meditate on it, as we think back to uh, time in Israel and, and uh, how you uh, provided for your people, Lord, may that be an encouragement to us. May we recognize the truth of your word and, and the, the um, surety of it. And so, Lord, uh, speak to our hearts and, and apply it to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So, in this psalm, we're, we're invited to interact with the Lord God and, and then to also talk about Him to other people. And the interaction with Him is mentioned in the first couple of verses there. I see in verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And, and in verse 2, Sing praises to Him. You know, in order to thank someone or to praise them, there, there has to be something in our mind that, 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 that they've done that we thank them for. Or, or, something that about that person that we like, uh, that we praise him for. We thank people that do nice things for us, uh, and we praise people who uh, we love and think highly of. And that's the kind of relationship with God that the psalmist describes here as he encourages us to then thank God and, and praise him. And as we look on in this psalm, we see, we'll see some things uh, that God has done which we can thank him for, and a lot of things about him as well that we can praise him for. And these first two introductory verses then also encourage us to talk about him to other people, especially making known then to them his deeds, and speaking of his wonders. You know, when someone we love has done something that's really impressive, uh, pretty easy to talk about, we, we can't help, but Uh, Tell other people what they did and how amazing that person is. Well, that's what the psalmist invites us to do here concerning God. Don't keep that amazement to yourself, but spread the news far and wide about who God is and about what he's done and what he's done for you. And before we review the next 40-some verses here then and the list of many things that he's done, notice verse 7 here just causes a pause and remember who he is. He is the Lord our God and his judgments are in all the earth. What I see in those earlier verses here is a couple of key words that I think open up the rest of the psalm for us to understand here. Uh, And they're found in verse 5, where he says, Remember his wonders, which he's done, and his marvels, and his judgments uttered from his mouth. So you catch those two key words there. His wonders... And his judgments. I want to just explain a little bit about those words before we go on. His wonders. Uh, some translations might say his wonderful works or wonderful acts or, or deeds. And this word is frequently used in the Psalms to describe God's great redemptive miracles, but also even his less obvious acts on behalf of his people in their daily experience in life. His wonders, things that he has done. The other word is his judgments. And I found this interesting. This is the same word that's used to describe a court's recorded decisions that are written down and settled. And that's how God's written word is described here. Whatever God says is a settled decision in the mind and the heart of God. And so when God then declared a covenant with Abraham, it was a settled plan on God's part. And he would carry it out. He would carry it out as if it was a law for himself. As we think about laws and so on, you know, we in our land during this pandemic uh, sometimes struggle with all kinds of questions that come to our mind about what we're dealing with around us. And we question if the so-called experts really know enough and have a right to declare what everyone else should do. And we question if governors have the right to declare Laws of behavior for everyone without ever it going to a vote of the people or, or to the legislature uh, branch of government. And we question if the governor's declarations would really even hold up in a court of law. And as I was thinking about that, it just occurs to me here about God. God is the expert, He knows all things. He's also. You might say the executive and legislative and judicial all wrapped up in one. And so he has authority. He has authority to declare laws for the whole world and even for himself. And he has the ability to enforce those things. And so the psalmist here says about God in verse 1, remember the judgments uttered by his mouth. Now what are those judgments that he declared find it interesting verse 8 here. He made a covenant that's good for a thousand generations. He made this covenant with Abraham, and he called Abraham to leave his extended family and to go to a place that he would show Abraham. He didn't even tell him where it was. Um, And God declared to Abraham that he should trust him and, and that he would bless him, and he'd give him a land, and he'd also give him... Many descendants, as as many as the sands of the seashore and the stars in the sky. And also he promised this, that that through a special descendant of Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Verse 8 here tells us this. He, that is God, has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Now, only God can make declarations or covenants like that. You know, we think of ourselves, and we, we make promises to people, and our memories are so short, sometimes we forget them before the next day. We, we try to keep our promises that we make to our children, but we hardly dare even consider making promises that last a year. Uh, and, and we don't make promises for, for more than a generation, because we don't even know if we're going to be here. God, on the other hand, is able to make promises and and to keep them, not just for a thousand years, which would be quite awesome, but he says here, a thousand generations. And and so God made this covenant with Abraham. And then we see here in verse 9 that he confirmed that covenant, a covenant which he made to Abraham and his oath to Isaac. That would be the next generation, Abraham's son. And, And then he confirmed it to Jacob. That would be Abraham's grandson for a statute to Israel. And, and Israel is another name for Jacob um, and really then for all of his descendants after that. And he declared this to be an everlasting covenant. Verse 11, to you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion of your inheritance. And verse 12 says, when they were only a few men in number. And, and, and at that point, you know, there was just Abraham and Isaac and um, immediate family there um, Isaac had Esau and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and and some daughters, but it was still a pretty small clan at that point. Well, what did God do for them? Well, just what he had declared that he would do. He saw his promise through for generation after generation after generation. And that brings us to then that other word that we were to remember here back in verse 5. Remember his wonders which he has done what were they? You have the list there in your outline, in your bulletin, and you know, walk through some of those verses together here. One, he, he protected his people when they were just few in number. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, his 12 sons and their families, um, it tells us here in verse 13, they wandered about from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Um, he permitted no man to oppress them. He, he reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones. And Do not my prophets do harm. And when you read through Genesis, you know there are these fascinating accounts of God's protection of Abraham as he wandered about and his family. You go on to verse 16 here. What else did God do? Well, he called for a famine. And so remember back now when when Jacob gave Joseph um, that coat of many colors, and his brothers got so jealous of that, they, they were mad, and they, they sold their, their brother, Joseph, then into slavery in Egypt with some traitors that were passing through. But, you know, God had a plan in that. And what did he do? You read on here, he sent a man, Joseph. <clears throat> you know, his brothers had meant this for harm for Joseph, but, but God turned it into something that was good. And Joseph went from being a slave that was falsely accused and sent to prison to being called out of prison by the ruler of Egypt, when he heard that Joseph could interpret his dreams. You look on in verse 16 here, and it walks through that. It says that he, God, called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, and the ruler of the people set him free, and he that is, Pharaoh then, he made him lord of his house, ruler over all of his possessions. And, and so here this famine that God caused elevated Joseph to this leadership role in all of Egypt to, to then store up food for a time of famine. And it also then caused Jacob to send his sons down to Egypt because they needed food. <clears throat> and there, while they were there, they encountered Joseph. Now, you might say the vice pharaoh of Egypt. And Joseph forgave them for selling them into slavery. And and he invited the whole family to come to Egypt and to wait out the famine. And so they did. So we read on in the psalm here. We're told what God did. Well, he directed and he multiplied and he strengthened Joseph's family there in Egypt. Verse 23, Israel also came into Egypt and thus Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and he caused his people to be very fruitful, and he made them stronger than their adversaries. And so here, while Joseph's whole family lived in Egypt, they multiplied greatly, and the Egyptians began to be worried that they had become too powerful and take over, and so they enslaved them, and they beat them into submission. What did God do? Well, he turned the Egyptians' hearts to hate those Israelites, and then he sent Moses to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt. And in order to bring that about, he sent all those plagues. And it lists some of them here in in the text. Darkness over the whole land. Waters turned to blood and and fish died. Frogs all over the place, even in the chambers of the king. Swarms of flies and gnats. And then hail came and shattered their crops. and, And locusts came along and ate whatever was left of them. And things got so bad in Egypt that the Egyptians hated the children of Israel. And when the last and the worst plague came, which was the angel of death that struck down the firstborn sons throughout the land, at last then Pharaoh and all of Egypt were just eager to have the Israelites go. So eager that they were even willing to pay to have them leave, you might say. You read on in the psalm here in verse 37, Then he, as God, brought them out, with silver and gold. And among his tribes there was not one who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the dread of them had fallen upon them. And so now they went out of Egypt, uh, about 600,000 men plus children. And the psalm then leaves out the great miracle of the crossing of the Red Sea, um, where God parted the waves and they. Or the water, and he crossed straight through on dry land, and then he brought crashing back down on Pharaoh's army. Um, It doesn't tell about that. That's another great account of God's provision, and it picks up the story after that. And what we see that God did well, He He led them, and He fed them out there in the wilderness, leading them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and and feeding them with manna, bread from heaven, and, and quail for meat. What did God do besides? Well, then he brought them forth, and he gave them the lands, and he fulfilled that promise he'd made to Abraham. And so verse 42 picks it up there. For he remembered his holy word with Abraham his servant, and he brought forth his people with joy, his chosen ones with a joyful shout, and he gave them also the lands of the nations, that they might take possession of the fruit of the people's labor, so that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. And there you have it. We already went through the Psalm. <clears throat> so, how many years? How many years from the time that God made that promise to Abraham till he brought his descendants into the promised land? According to my research, and there are numbers in the Bible that help us add this up, <clears throat> about 660 years. And that's about 16 generations if you figure that a generation is about 40 years. Well, during that time, he also fulfilled the promise of blessing Abraham and making his descendants a great nation. And they multiplied greatly there in Egypt. Um, But, you know, his descendants weren't yet as many as the stars of the sky or the sands of the seashore. However, God wasn't done fulfilling his promises. And and we learn in the New Testament about God sending out, uh, out of Abraham's bloodline then, someone who through him, then all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that someone was Jesus Christ. He was a descendant of Abraham, but also the Son of God and the Savior from sin for all who would believe in Him. And from the time then of God's promise to Abraham till Jesus came along, around 2,000 years. But still, God was not done fulfilling His promises to Abraham. And you know, it's interesting in, in more current history, many would consider the rise of the nation of Israel back in 1948 when it became a nation as a second fulfilling of God's promise of the land. And still God is not done fulfilling his promises to Abraham. The New Testament makes clear to us that all believers in Jesus Christ as their Savior from sin are are sons of Abraham by faith. And, And that makes you and I then, if we believe in Jesus as part of God's Fulfillment of that promise to Abraham, <clears throat> and you know that song, perhaps that that children's song. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. What are we recognizing there? That we are part of the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham. We're sons of the faith. And so overall, then, this psalm is encouraging us to to remember God's word, God's judgments, and and his wonders, his words and and his works. And and, uh, we've seen how he remembers his word and how he keeps his word, even to a thousand generations. And we've also seen in this psalm, the examples of his wonders, his miracles that he did for the descendants of Abraham, the children of Israel. And so as you think about those things... How does knowing those things about God, about God's words and his works, how does it encourage you in whatever situation you're dealing with today? You know, as we consider these things and remember that we we need to remember that this same God is our God. He still keeps his word. And and so we can rest in the other promises that he's given us in Scripture as well. And and the miraculous things that he's done in the past, he's still able to do things like that. And, And so we keep praying. And we keep hoping in Him no matter how difficult our circumstances that we face in this life. There's one more thing I saw in this psalm back in verse 4. I think it's a fitting conclusion, really, as well, where it it says this Seek the Lord and His strength, seek His face continually. As you think about God and His faithfulness to His promises, and you think about the amazing things He's done, it should encourage us. Because our God is strong, and he does powerful, miraculous deeds. And we are invited to go to that God and to seek his face continually. And that means coming into his presence in prayer and asking for his help and his strength. When? use the word continually here. Every day in our lives, continually going to him, seeking his strength and his help. And there's one more thing I should share with you as we prepare our hearts to take communion today. Our eternal God, who's able to map things out on the earth for a thousand generations, saw fit to use what he planned way back there in the Old Testament days in the Exodus account as a glimpse into what he would accomplish later through his son Jesus Christ. And the Passover lamb that was eaten that night when the angel of death passed over the houses in Egypt of all that had the lamb's blood on the doorpost. That was a glimpse of what Jesus would do for us. And the New Testament describes Jesus as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross and his blood being shed there was the covering over our sin and the way of providing forgiveness of sin. And our ticket to freedom from slavery to to sin and and our ticket you might say into the entrance in the promise of uh, promised land of heaven let us pray lord god we thank you for your word today and in this psalm That just helps us reflect back on what you've done and we recognize afresh who you are you are an amazing god that keeps your word, even to thousands of generations. And we see how you have fulfilled that and how really the whole Bible points to that ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ, your son who came to be our savior. And Lord, we pray, whatever folks here or folks hearing online are dealing with in their life, Lord, that you would encourage them today. Help them remember that they are able to come to you continually in prayer and seek your help. And you are powerful and able to help them. And we thank you especially that as we come together and take communion today that we are reminded that part of the fulfillment of your promise to Abraham was sending Jesus, your son, who would be the sacrificial lamb, who would die on the cross that we could know forgiveness of all of our sin. An eternal life in heaven with you someday and we thank you for that lord and we ask that you would encourage us and, and remind us that in jesus our sins are forgiven uh, we pray in his name amen <clears throat>